So, got John Dent with me. Um, now, I upset you a little bit, didn't I, the other day, when I said that you played for a host of clubs, but actually it's not that many, is it? That... It's not as many as people are led to believe, no. Uh, can you list them? <laughs> That's your first test. Uh, Holsworthy, St. Blasey twice, St. Allstall, Louis Boutique, that a lot Louis of people wouldn't even know who they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Penzance. I thought it was a lot more than that, but you managed a few as well, haven't you? Yes, um, I mean, I, I f first went into management when I left Falmouth Town, uh, went to Port Levin as player manager, but done more of the managing than I did the playing and uh, was told that I should have carried on playing longer at that time, but I didn't think I could combine the two. Um, and now I regret that because you're a long time not able to play, even though I, you know, a year or so ago I was still playing a game or two. Um, just now it takes me three days to get off the settee <laughs> afterwards. Only three, that's good. But you say about playing, but you went, you actually played, you must have played quite a few years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I what think, age were you when you stopped playing? Serious. I, th I think the last serious game I had was um, five years ago now, or just under five years ago, when I played in the Premier League of the uh, Peninsula for, uh, for Penzance up at uh, Liverton. Uh, we lost that game 4-2 as I remember we were I think 4-0 down by half time and it took me the first half to get in the swing of it uh, second half uh, it was a lot better and we actually pulled two goals back so uh, yeah and I quite enjoyed it but um, as I said it took me about three days to get off the SETI after playing that one game and of course it was the defence that were at fault for the goals it's never my fault David you ask any <laughs> of the centre-halves that's played in front of me they'll tell you that I never made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you had the, am I right in saying that you could actually throw it out with your right or left arm? Yeah, it didn't yeah. make any difference? Um, I've slightly better thrown with my left, but I could throw it with my right as well. But when you go back to the time when uh, the centre forward would sort of stand on your right foot to try and stop you kicking it, then being left handed or predominantly left handed made it easy for me to throw it that way. Mm. So they tried to stand on that. So it got me to, practice strong with my right hand as well and what do you think of goalkeepers today Who, who's the best goalkeeper around you reckon in in the pro game in the pro game I, I st it's going to be a tough call between De Gea and um, the Liverpool keeper now Alisson mm. um, I think he's doing well he's, he's a good goalkeeper you can always judge by the ones that's not involved much in the game um, but when they are called upon they make that important save and they're switched on for the whole 90 minutes. Um, it's a lot easier when you're under pressure for a lot of the game and you're constantly making saves. But it's the ones that don't have a lot to do and then mm. pull out that one save that are the good mm. keepers. I mean, you would have played behind a, a lot of good defences. You would have had games where you hardly touched the ball, I, I would imagine. That wasn't your style, was it? You wanted to be involved? I, I like being involved, yeah, but uh, if I wasn't involved, I'd be on the halfway line talking to my centre-half just yeah. to keep me involved in it, you know. Um, and uh, people like Tommy Matthews, who I played with for a long, long time, would uh, would constantly be trying to get me to get back in the goal and inside that penalty area, but that's not my style. So what the goal is doing now, you were doing years ago. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, I bumped into um, two people recently, one Perry Bullock, and uh, another lad um, who I played against quite a bit and uh, both turned around and said that uh, they felt I was ahead of my time because I didn't I wasn't the keeper from back then mm. I would do the things they're doing now which is a nice compliment to hear from people like that who uh, I come up against quite a bit in the, you know, when I played but uh, didn't necessarily get on with at that time <laughs> <laughs> but lots of friends now from the football game from past and um... yeah it's it's great I mean I'm part of the um, past football um, uh, Facebook page where uh, that's run by a chap called Roy Smith who I play with quite a bit in Plymouth um, and it's a lot of local players up there that we keep in touch now there's a massive reunion on the 3rd of August at the new um, Parkway Clubhouse there. Oh, yeah. Um, which, but, yeah, we keep in touch. And recently I had a big reunion with uh, the Dockyard Apprentices side, um, which went really, really well. It was something it has been 45 years since we played uh, one of the finals. And 
somebody said to me we should have a get together so I spoke to a couple of people Argyll agreed to let us have the um, or be guest of honour in the uh, Green Taverners bar so we were invited there before the game and to watch the game and, and then again afterwards and there was a bit of a thing done about about us and it was it was great I mean after 45 years um, I was able to get in touch with just about every single person apart from one who's living in Canada and uh, and apart from three or four who are going to be away on holidays that were already arranged we had over six I think it was 16 or 17 of us there and bearing in mind over the two years you were only allowed one sub back in those mm. days so uh, 12 players from each each time five of us played in both both finals so to get 16 there was was great and uh, it was nice to see everybody Okay, we'll talk about that a bit more a little bit later, but um, we're in the Queen's Hotel here in Penzance. We've got coffee on the table, so let's stop and have a drink. Yeah, okay. So it's a corner. And fisted over this time again by John Dent. Well, the goalkeeper's done extremely well. For Plymouth, he's uh, taken a knock there. As I said, he's uh, playing at the moment with Holsworthy. He's also been uh, an apprentice with Plymouth Argyle. And you can see there's a certain quality about this goalkeeper's play. Your age, you're at the grand old age of 64, I can say that, because you're a year older than me. Oh, thanks, Dave. Um, in fact, uh, I think you're about 350 days older than me. But uh, <laughs> So let's go all the way back and... Well, not all the way back, but let's go back to... Let's just pick on a few things that I know you want to talk about. First one, you were at Argo, weren't you, on their books? That's right, yeah. And yeah. so how did that come about? Um, I was I was at school, at Sutton High School in, in Plymouth, and uh, I was uh, on uh, schoolboy forms with Argo. And it came to that stage where I was about to finish at school, and uh, Ellis Stuttard was manager at Plymouth back then. And he came and saw my parents and said he wanted to offer me an apprenticeship at the club. And back then, David, to be honest with you, I lived for football. Mm. Um, it was my life. And to be offered that chance to play at my local club, and um, I just snapped it up. <laughs> you know, I couldn't, couldn't wait to start. In yeah. fact, I left school early because I wanted to start. I was due to start there after the summer holidays, left school at Easter and started in the April. Right. Um, and they had... Back then, what was great back then and what you don't see now is um, the, the professionals up there. There were so many local Devon and Cornish players playing for Plymouth's first team. Mm. You had the likes of Colin Sullivan, Johnny Hoare, Steve Davey, Mike Bickle, Dave Lean. All local lads that were playing and well-known players in the first team. Mike Dowling down here in Cornwall. Um, you just don't see that now. Um, and I think that's a shame because people wanted to play for their local team. Yeah, and it's also strange though now, isn't it, that they, they have this marvellous coaching system, academy and all yeah. that sort of stuff, but very few local players yeah. get into the first team. Yeah. Um, they, they why is that? I, I really don't know. It's frustrating. I mean, you've got people like Nigel Martin, Kevin Miller, you know, I'm picking on keepers now, <laughs> who, who slipped through the net and have gone and played, you know, Nigel's gone and played for England and, uh, you know, a lot of top clubs and, and yet, don't get recognised. We had, I mean, I'm, I'm jumping a bit, but there was a lad at Falmouth Town that unless we played Plymouth in pre-season friendlies and played their first team, they wouldn't have seen mm. and known about it. And yet they should have done because mm. he was playing regularly at Falmouth Town every week. Mm. And then when they played against him, they wanted to sign him. He didn't want to know. Mm. <clears throat> so you, you signed on for our goal, what, as an apprentice? You yeah, I was an apprentice. So I was there full time. <laughs> we would... Uh, Sort of train with the. What, uh, what's full time? You know, how many hours a day was full time well, back well, then? Well, we it, it was you know every day five days of the week, and then right. playing on a Saturday. We would um, we would turn up at sort of nine o'clock on a Monday morning, um, get all the kit out, the training kit out ready. We'd all have so many professionals we'd have to look after, so you'd get their kit out, you'd make sure their boots are clean, <laughs> um, you'd know from the day before what what kit they wanted, what boots they wanted for that day, depending on where, where we were training and what we were doing. So we'd get all that out, we'd get ready ourselves. Um, we would then go and train with a lot, most of the time we would train with the first team because they would want us to, to bounce things off mm. right, so the, the, the reserves could go and do their thing as well after the main fitness sort of thing. We would, we would all train together doing that. 
uh, pre-season was a nightmare but um, yeah so um, we'd all have our own professionals to look after so you train at the end of training you'd have to gather the kid up take it into the they'd have about 12 baths in the home change room the away change room had a a big bath which is not allowed anymore yeah. but it was a big bath all the kit would get thrown in and we'd have to scrub it with scrubbing brushes to get, to get it clean and then oh, hang it out to dry um, part of our duties and then in the afternoon we would um, if any of the pros wanted to stay behind or come back for a session in the afternoon we would work with them uh, if not then we would do in various tasks around the ground to tidy the ground up and that and uh, unfortunately back then it was before you were going to um, to college or being made to go to college to continue your studies which I think now is a great thing and I'm glad they, they've changed that because mm. that didn't happen back then but the beauty of back then as well was that and the big difference now is that Argyle were playing in the Division 2 so um, would have been the championship mm. now but the reserve side were in the Football Combination League <coughs> excuse me and the Football Combination League had teams like Arsenal Chelsea Spurs Queen's Park Rangers, all these sides were playing in that league. So it was a really good league to play in. So there, was, there wasn't a big gap with some of those teams between Plymouth's first team and the reserve side. The competition and, uh, w- was very good and the standard was great. Whereas now you've got Argos first team and then you've got them playing in the Peninsula League, which no disrespect to the Peninsula League is not the standard I think Argos reserve side should be playing in. Yeah, I think I, I think they do play various other sort of midweek things as they, well. They play they? in but the week. It's yeah. not, you know, the big big no. time like you're, no. you're recalling. And the Argos players that you sort of, um, well, let's say you looked after, um, yeah. <laughs> who was the best player that, uh, you know, you were connected with? Back then, oh, there was there was some really good ones. I mean, there was two, two or three of them. Steve Davy was one great, great lad. I mean, I um, strangely enough, you're still in touch with him, I guess. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I still speak to Steve. Um, Aidan Mayer is another one who yeah. they signed from Everton. Aidan, I speak to regularly. Unfortunately, wasn't very well. Re- yeah, wasn't very well recently. Yeah. Um, but uh, and one of the best ones was Neil Haig. Neil Haig would he would stay behind after training. He would wait for the apprentices to finish what they had to do and then give us lifts into town to meet <laughs> right. up and have coffee and that. And he he was great. He wasn't, didn't have no airs and graces and he wasn't above everybody else. Um, but just one of the lads and really great lad. I remember was... back then he had a he had a purple cortinery. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but uh, really, really great lad. Because he was a big sort of left half central defender. Yeah. You'd yeah. call him these days, wouldn't yeah. you? That came from, I can't remember. Rotherham, he came oh, from. Rotherham, yeah. I see. Yeah, Spent so. a lot of time in the mirror sorting his hair out. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps that's why he waited so long. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And uh, so that was, what are we talking about? Early 70s? Yeah, yeah. 19, I joined Argo 1971. Um, I played in what was initially the P&D Premier League for their third team mm. uh, to start with. And then just before Christmas, 71, um, I'll never forget it. I, uh, my brother, Jimmy, used to uh, come training with us when the, uh, at Argo, because he was on schoolboy forms, when uh, they weren't at school. And he came up to uh, training one Friday, got it, my dad dropped us up, I got out of the car, went to walk in the ground, and the first team were getting ready to go away on the coach. And uh, my brother just couldn't keep it quiet. As we walked in, he turned around and said, you're playing out there tomorrow. <laughs> and I said, what are you talking about? He said, dad told me, he said, you're playing for the reserves tomorrow. Oh, right. And uh, he wasn't supposed to tell me. Yeah. I mean, as it happened, I then about two seconds later, Ellis Stoddard was coming out to get on the coach and he stopped me and just said I was going to be making my debut the following day and to enjoy it and just play my normal game. And uh, so I didn't sleep much that night. I was 16. Line. And we were playing Queen's Park Rangers. <clears throat> and uh, we had, I think, a cu- only a couple of professionals in the side, four part-timers, four apprentices, uh, and a couple of amateurs back then. And uh, we beat Queen's Park Rangers 1-0. So uh, right. clean I sheet. thoroughly enjoyed it, clean sheet, <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, Jim Fennell was the first team keeper. Peter yeah. Ballack was there as well. So Peter was playing in the first team. Jim was injured. And then I knew that the following week, the reserves were playing at Highbury against Arsenal. And I was, as much as I liked him for now, I was praying he wasn't going to be fit for the following <laughs> week. And yeah. as it happens, he wasn't. So uh, I, I got to play at Highbury the following week. And 
that's something I'll always remember. Um, they had in their side um, uh, uh, Charlie George, sorry, yeah. Peter Marinello, Brendan Batson, uh, Jeff Barnett, and Go. A lot of the youngsters won't know these names. No, but but this yeah. is nostalgia. Yeah. yeah, hopefully the people listening are the, the ones of similar yeah. ages to us, so they'll I mean, know those names. Yeah. I mean, Charlie George. He um, this was in January '72. And in May 71, he was scoring the winning yeah. goal in the FA Cup final against Liverpool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, great to play against these sort of players. But I never forget, we had uh, the manager, we was in the change room, we were sat there with our shoes and socks off because it was all underfloor heating and marble flooring in, in Highbury. And uh, he turned around and said about containing them for the first half hour and we'll take it from there and see how we're going because we had a, like I said, we only had a couple of pros in our side, mm. mainly apprentices playing. And I remember looking around at the clock at the South Bank after half an hour and it was nil nil and I thought, great, we're doing well here. <laughs> half time it was four nil and we oh, lost seven nil. Oh dear. Um, Charlie Joyce scored four. And uh, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean it was a great experience. There was probably about two thousand uh, Arsenal supporters at the game. Oh, good turn. And uh, it's one of those, like I said to you earlier, keepers, if they're in the game all together, they're making saves. So I did make quite a few saves. <laughs> and uh, I did get clapped off by the Arsenal supporters, which was nice. Mm. And I, was, I remember walking up uh, up the tunnel and Brian Williams was a director at Argyle then. And the director always went to away games with you and he was still at the top of the tunnel and stopped me as I come up and said that applause was for you out there today. So it, it, it was great for confidence, even though I'd let in seven. It yeah. you know, felt great. Also, after the game, it was my first first experience of caviar. <laughs> Never tasted it since. <laughs> <laughs> right. Of course, back then, though, you played at their first team grounds, didn't you? Highway. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Stamford these Bridge. These days, you wouldn't, of course, would you? No, no, you'd play at their training grounds. Yeah, but, yeah I mean, it was Highbury, uh, Stamford Bridge. I also played against Spurs at, at Home Park, um, and that was an experience. My dad and my brother were big Spurs fans, so I got them tickets yes. for the game. So am I. Oh, well. <laughs> this, this is the reason I'm not a lover of Spurs. I mean, I, <laughs> oh, right. I, uh, End the recording now. <laughs> I, uh, I, as I said, I got them tickets, and we, we played. It was an evening game, and we were winning 1-0. Les Latcham scored our goal. And uh, oh, there's a name, yeah, yeah it just keeps coming to you like that, don't you? When you think about it, um, but he scored our goal, and about quarter an hour from the end, Graham Soonis scored for Spurs, he was in yeah. Spurs reserves yeah, at the yeah. time. And I remember getting up so dejected, I'd let one in, and there's me dad and my brother in the stand cheering that Spurs had scored. <laughs> so I've never liked Spurs since. Sorry, Tommy Matthews, that uh, I know you're a big Spurs fan yeah. as well, but uh, and funny, isn't it? How you know. Graham Souness, great footballer, great player, never made it at Spurs. Strange, no, isn't no. it? How it yeah. works. Doesn't say a lot for Spurs as recruiting, <laughs> does it? <laughs> so you played for the reserves at Argyle, never made it into the first team? No, no. I, I went away a few times uh, as part of the squad. I mean, the apprentices did for experiences. Who, who, um, so who, who would have been sort of keeping you out at that um, stage? There was two, you know, there was three of us there with Peter Ballack, Jim Fresnel and myself right um, and when it came towards the end of my apprenticeship because how long so, was the apprenticeship um, well you, it was till you were 18 right so it was about two and a half years I was right. there <clears throat> and uh, as it came towards the end of my apprenticeship Tony Waiters was the manager back then um, goalkeeper himself yeah yeah um, <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah not a love for Tony not a lot of love for Tony I'm yeah. afraid um, but we'll keep that to myself yeah. um, he um, he's decided that none of the professional players were allowed to play in the third team in the P&D side. They either played first team or reserves. And uh, I was going to get offered a 12-month a, a contract and um, found out, talking to him, that what I, I mean, at, then I was 17, nearly 18, and you, you all got these big ideas. And um, I was of the, of the understanding that if, if you're not allowed to play in the third team and there's three of us, that means I'm going to be training all week and not playing on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to play football. So decided not to not to take it any further. Um, go and play with my friends, which biggest mistake of my life, to be honest. Yeah. But there we go. Mm -hmm. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah. To... yeah. Okay, so you left Argo. What happened then? 
I left Argyle and maybe the next stage of my footballing career wouldn't, wouldn't have happened if I hadn't done, but uh, I left and um, it was one of these things. It's not a case of what you know, it's who you know. And I got um, asked if I uh, uh, went and played for the dockyard side, um, they'd get me a job in the dockyard. So I couldn't, um, I was too old to do an apprenticeship. Didn't every in footballer in Plymouth work in the dockyard back then? Just about, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there are a lot of players to pick from. But yeah, yeah so um, yeah, well, I was too old to do a, a proper apprenticeship, but uh, I was offered a chance to do a tickler trade, which was uh, be, uh, be a rigger, right. which is basically the splicing of the wires, the ropes, uh, making all the safety nets and that. And what was funny about that was we used to make safety nets for shipwrights to go on the ship to make it safe for them. And they would get danger money when the, when the safety nets are up. <laughs> right. Because it was our job to make them and put them up, we didn't get danger money putting them up before it was safe. So <laughs> you can work that one yourself. But uh, yeah, so uh, I went to the dockyard and I was in the dockyard for some eight years. And uh, <clears throat> during that time... Um, played for the Dockyard Apprentices side and uh, was playing for Holesworthy as well in the Southwestern League. Um, the Dockyard side was was uh, was great. I mean, there was a competition in Plymouth um, to uh, represent Plymouth in this national uh, youth clubs tournament uh, under 21. And Plymouth, whoever was in charge, the, the Devon FA or something I think it was, they decided that they would have a competition and teams had to enter and whoever won the competition would represent Plymouth in this national competition. Whereas around the country, they would pick representative sides from the, from the, from their, their cities. Mm. Um, so we, we entered this competition and, uh, we played at Bowden Park at Plymouth at the top of Florida Valley there. I don't think it's there anymore. Mm. Um, <clears throat> played this competition and we won it. And uh, we then went on to represent. At that stage, you know, we we're all getting told, you know, the final is going to be at Wembley if you get there. I, mean, you, I, I was going to say, did you know where the final was going to be? Because the, 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 the big story about this is that obviously you got to play at the national stadium, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. I mean, at that stage, we, we knew the final was going to be there, but it was a national competition. So we you never, never thought you'd get there? No, <laughs> no. It was, it was a dream at the end of a long tunnel, basically. Yeah. Um, but the early stages, I mean, we were beating teams 11 and 10 nil and things like this until you got to the sort of uh, last 16 and quarterfinals and then it became a lot tougher. Um, I know we went to Enfield and played London one year and beat them 2 nil. And the first year we got to the final, we played um, Sheffield um, and we beat them 3-1. Uh, disappointed I let one in, but... Uh, and unfortunately, I've never, ever seen a recording of the game. And, and the whole of the second half was shown live on the TV, but never seen, never seen a, a recording of it. Uh, the second year was a lot more emotional. We automatically represented, obviously, Plymouth from being the holders. <laughs> and uh, went through and, and we played Birmingham in the semi-final. And uh, we were drawing one each at the time. And uh, Dougie Holt, slid in to score our second goal and as he slid in the keeper came out and landed on his leg Dougie broke his leg and uh, the game was delayed while an ambulance was called it was at Aldershot's ground this was played and <clears throat> ambulance arrived came on the pitch picked Dougie up off he went and I remember as he because it was at the far end the ambulance came down to my end of the ground and went past and as he went past um I could see Dougie waving and mm. thumbs up and that, so I knew he was okay as such. Uh, we, we went on to win the game 3-1 in the end and came back to Plymouth. Um, and on the that was on the Saturday. On the Thursday, we had a meeting at the Civil Service Club that was in Plymouth back then to discuss uh, arrangements for going to Wembley for the final. And went, turned up, and our manager, Danny Waterfield, was in tears. And uh, we just couldn't understand what was going on at the time. And then he announced to us that uh, when Dougie broke his leg, his bone had pierced the skin, come in contact with the ground, and grass gangrene had set in. And at that time, it was spreading so fast up his leg, if it reached his hip, he would die. Mm. Um, And at that stage, we didn't know what was going to happen. So the meeting was all cancelled. Danny just wanted to tell us all about this. We went. We walked out totally stunned and 
couldn't believe what we were hearing. You go and play football and somebody could die. Mm. Um, as it happened, back then there were five hospitals around the country that had these incubators that could treat gangrene because apparently gangrene doesn't survive without oxygen. Right. Um, I'm no doctor, but this is what I've been <laughs> yeah. told. It's yeah. like, but uh, they flew him to Ascot Hospital and they managed to stop the gangrene an inch and a half from his hip. Oof. And they managed to contain it and go back down his leg, but they had to amputate below the knee. Oh. So we then, it was going to be a very emotional final. Yeah. We, we left on the Friday to travel to, to London for the final and went to Ascot and picked Dougie up. Right. Um, I've got lots of pictures at home yeah. of us at the hospital yeah. with the nurses who looked after him and everybody sort of cheering us on when we left. Uh, picked him up, took him to the final. Um, and he sat and watched the game in a wheelchair. And it's on, I don't know if you've had a chance yeah. to look at it. Yeah, I have. Um, I've, I've seen it before, but obviously you sent me the link. And it's on YouTube. Uh, well, if we just search through. For Dockyard Apprentices Wembley. Yeah. Um, and there's Dougie sat in a wheelchair watching the game. We, we, we won the game 3 1. And uh, Dougie went up on crutches to get a medal at the end. So it was a really emotional final mm. and uh, meant a lot to everybody that was involved. And there was five of us that had played the first year and were young enough to play the second year. And uh, that was uh, John Merrin, Paul Horrocks, um, Andy Nose, myself and um, Steve Mallet. Right. And in fact, I was the youngest in the squad, was young enough to play the following year, but we got uh, told we weren't allowed to enter the following year. You're too good. (laughs) They changed the rules or something, so we weren't allowed to enter the competition, which is a shame. But we went, um, after that final, we then represented England and played the Scottish winners at Home Park. And uh, we, they hadn't lost in two years. We hadn't lost in over two years. Played them at at, uh, Home Park and beat them 3-1 then went to Scotland for the second leg and we were losing 2-1 with a couple of minutes to go and we managed to equalise. Um, so we won on aggregate anyway, but we managed to maintain right. our of never being beaten. So, right. yeah. And Wembley, what was it like playing at Wembley? Because presumably, it, you'd, had you been there before to watch a game? I'd or? been there when I was probably, who was I? I've been there twice before. I went when I was about 11 with school, right. with my primary school, to watch an evening game. And this was in the days of the Twin Towers, wasn't yeah, it? It's not yeah. the Wembley no, no. nowadays. I've not been to the new one and I don't really want to go to it because <laughs> it, would, it would dispel all my memories, I think, of the yeah. old Wembley and I want to keep that. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I went when I was 11 to watch an England international. I Three times I've been actually. Then I went... And I watched an England-Scotland game and left at half time because it was the one where they, they broke all the goalposts and afterwards and they were up on the, right, on they the were up on the, uh, yeah, the, the, the announcement boards and that and peeing oh. on everybody below and right. that wasn't for me. So there's, right. I remember me and a lad called Dave Field who, uh, played a lot of local football and played in the Wembley side as well the first mm. year. We went back on the coach and sat there and listened to it on the radio. Oh, it was, it was cool. some experience. Yeah. And then I also went, um, about probably 20 years ago, uh, when it was still the old Wembley, the Twin Towers, I took um, May Primary School um, to Wembley to watch England against Georgia. Right. And uh, um, that was a great experience as well. I, I had to have certain, I'd arranged it all for the school, uh, but you had to have so many adults there per per child oh, yeah. and uh, I was one short at the time and managed to persuade Andy Parry to come with me as uh, <laughs> well, one of the one of the adults but I'm not sure if he ended up being an adult or a child <laughs> on that trip but uh, yeah it was a great experience yeah and th- that was uh, and you've had this sort of meet up as you mentioned earlier at, at Argyle 45 years since uh, you were at Wembley and, but by the way you're talking it it's almost as if it, you know, you could go straight back there now and, and remember everything that happened. It, it's obviously a, a great memory for you and, and will be with you forever. Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, the, the lads, <laughs> you, you rarely come across a group of players that you, there's no clicks and you all get on so well and there's no backbiting. Mm. I've been quite fortunate that I've had to. I've had the, the Dockyard Apprentice uh, players and I've also had the Falmouth Town players of uh, the five years I spent there where we're still great friends now. We don't. It's a case of you don't see each other on a regular basis, but if you pick up that phone, they'd all be there. 
and that's what's happened in both both those teams. And the Plymouth fans know just what that means for him to be up there. And I think that's one of the most poignant moments, probably that being shaken by the hand by Joe Mercer there. I think that's one of the most poignant moments that Wembley has seen in many a long day. A young man with a leg amputated a matter of weeks ago, who but for that injury in the semi-final against Birmingham, when he scored a goal that helped to put Plymouth here, that he would have been here. And he's getting a tremendous ovation from the crowd here and from his Plymouth teammates. Let's move on then. Actually, before we move on, you mentioned it a couple of times. Uh, you're not the only dent to, to have played in local football, are you? No. It's, no. it's a bit of a family thing. Yeah, um, I mean, all four of us. I mean, I mean, I'm the eldest. I just don't look it. No, no. Uh, <laughs> um, I've got my brother Jimmy, who played uh, at Lescard for a number of years, and uh, also played for St Austell and St Blasey and Holsworthy, and uh, two younger ones, Andrew and Stuart. Um, Stuart's a keeper as well. Uh, Andrew played in midfield. Andrew Andrew played a lot at St Austell. Stuart was at Launce and won the senior cup with them. Um, but we so also. So when you meet up, do you talk about football? I don't see a lot of Andrew and Stuart where, right. because they both live in Plymouth and uh, they got other things. But I do. Jimmy comes down. In fact, Jimmy was down here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, came down to for my birthday and just to remind me that he is younger than me. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we 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 talk quite a bit about about football then and football now. Um, you'd think that also because uh, Stuart and I were both keepers that we wouldn't have all played together, but we actually all played together. In I used to manage Lion and Column Football Club in in Plymouth, the Sunday League side. But back then, Sunday League football was as good as South Western League. Uh, all the South Western League players play. I mean, I had people like Jeff Battams, Chris Sunis, my three brothers, uh, Nigel Menhenek, all these players, Andy Perrins, all playing um, for Lion and Column. You look at the, the football in Plymouth these days, I mean, the times we were talking about, you had the P&D, the Plymouth District, you had the Plymouth Combination, they had, what, five, six divisions each? Yeah. You had the, the Wednesday, Wednesday League, League yeah. which yeah. was top class, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, and like you mentioned, the Sunday football. You look at the league tables now from Plymouth and there's hardly yeah. any teams. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was yourself that had put something on or pictures or somebody put on, on, on one of the forums pictures of all the leagues that were in Plymouth years ago. Mm. And it's, it's amazing that when you think of all those sides back then compared to what there is now. But then it's like we were saying earlier, David, that <coughs> the, the people's attitudes have changed. There's so many outside interests now that getting play, people to play on a Saturday is it's just very hard. Mm. I mean, I've had, you know, managing a Premier League, Peninsula League team, and you wouldn't believe some of the excuses I've had from people that they can't play on a Saturday. What's and the it best just, one you've had? Um, <laughs> it's a bit unfair. I mean, I, like, I, I really like the lad and I still talk to him now, but he, he turned around to me once and said that uh, you can't play on Saturday, bearing in mind he lived right opposite the ground. I can't play this Saturday. He said, my mum's going on holiday and I've got to look after the dogs. <laughs> right, we've talked about Argyle. We've talked about your Wembley experience with the, the, the Dockyard lads. Um, let's talk about local football. Now, in particular, I know you want to talk about Farmer Town. Do you know how many games you played for them? I do actually, because um, oh, there's a chance. I was going to tell you. <laughs> uh, I think it's, well, you'd be able to tell me if I'm correct that uh, um, Mike Hodges keeps a record of it all. And my understanding is I played 249 games in total Ooh. and had 89 blank sheets. Well, he told me 244, but. Um, Ooh, no, so no, no. I was one we're not going to argue about a couple five. of games, but. You right probably with, missed those five. <laughs> <laughs> You're right with the clean sheets. 89 clean sheets. Uh, do you ever score? Um, I scored one from the penalty spot, yeah. Yeah, penalty against one of your former clubs. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And you're the fourth on the all-time Farmer Town goalkeeping list. Right. Fourth number of games uh, played. Now, uh, you, you were signed by Dave Wad. Yeah. Let's talk about him in a minute. Um, you replaced Peter Collins, who... Again, those listening will, will know Peter Collins was a, a, a good goalie to uh, sort of uh, take the place of. Superseded by Dave Philp mm -hmm. in the Trevor Mutant era. 
So, Dave Ward, now, would he survive these days as a manager? He wouldn't, no, but that's not being derogatory towards David. No. That's because of the attitude of the youngsters these days. Dave Ward was probably the best manager that uh, I played under, in fairness, and um, I've played under some good managers. Uh, but Dave Ward, he was a retired uh, police uh, physical instructor who had so much time on his hands that you, we played in the FA Vars and done very well two or three years running. And we'd go away to teams up in um, uh, St. Helens and other places around the country. And we'd on a Friday night sit there and he'd give us a, a picture of their team and there'd be a dossier on every single player. <laughs> we'd know more about them than they knew about themselves. <laughs> that's, that's the type of person he was. Um, yeah. Great, yeah. Uh, and did it pay dividends? I mean, did you take it in, you know, or was it sort of, were you there listening for a moment and then it went over your heads? You no, know, we did take it in, but some people will say <laughs> it went over our heads afterwards because one experience I remember was we played St. Helens and we played them away um, in the quarterfinal of the FA Vars and we drew one. We scored in the first quarter in our Chris Long scored, great header. 15 minutes gone. And for the rest of the game, it was like the Alamo. There was myself, <laughs> Paddy Scrace and Graham Hurd, who were just chucking our bodies in the line and stopping everything. And uh, um, we managed to get away with a 1-1 draw and came back to our place. And the replay, it absolutely bucketed down all mm. week. We should never have played. The Saturday, it was pouring out the heavens. But Dave insisted on playing. He wanted the game played. And uh, we were the sort of side we we liked to play football when we weren't a big side, and the conditions didn't suit us. But even having said that, David uh, had done his homework again, warned us about a free kick that they would do. They'd done the free kick and scored from it, um, and we lost one nil, which was gutting because some of the committee ended up going to the final. St Helens uh, got to the final. And they beat uh, Wakefield, I think it was in the final, I might be wrong. And uh, the committee met up with some of the, with some of the St. Helens lot afterwards and they turned around and said that every, out of all the games they played, the toughest one was against us. Mm. Um, so it was disappointing uh, that we didn't get there. Uh, and the following year, we fell at the same hurdle again against Chertsey Town mm. in a replay at home. Having said that, we should have uh, won the, the first leg away um, I couldn't say because I was at the other end, but apparently Phil Shapcott had a goal that had crossed the line and the linesman didn't give it. Yeah, and, but all strikers uh, would say that, wouldn't they? Yeah, but there was a lot of F-Troop <laughs> there as well, and F-Troop were behind the goal and they all said it was it, <laughs> but they would say that as well. <laughs> Funny, you, you, going back to the St. Helens game, I remember you, and you recalling the weather. I got to watch that game only because I think that match, Farmer against St Helens, was about the only game yeah. on in the county yeah. because of the weather. Well, I don't think it was just the weather. I think that they allowed teams to cancel their game that weekend. Ah, yes, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, I think they it did. was a big yeah. game, wasn't it? Yeah. I, mean, I think there was there was probably over over two, 3,000 there at, yeah. at Bickland Park that day. It was certainly well attended. And uh, Dave Ward, how, how, was he there very long? In your time as a player? He was there most or? of my time. I mean, I yeah. signed for him and I was there. Um, Dave, as I said, was a, a fitness freak. He, uh, he, I had to do the training as well uh, as, the, as the outfield players. And, and in fairness to him, that's probably why I ended up playing as long as I did because he got me fit and kept me, kept me fit. It's probably mm. the fittest I ever was. And it was, you know, I was like 29, 30 when I joined Falmouth Town. So uh, it was... The, the time when you're looking to wind down a little bit on your training but uh, you had to do it and I did do it um, and Dave Ward when he finished I was still there and Trevor came in unfortunately Trevor had his own ideas about um, God bless him uh, what he wanted to do decided he wanted to sign Dave Philp and that's when I decided to go and manage uh, Paul Flavon. Uh I'd have liked to have stayed at Falmouth longer but um, you know new manager new ideas but you didn't have a, that bad a time at Falmouth, did you? You picked up a few few bits of silverware? Yeah, I, in five years there, we won the league four times and came runners-up once. Um, I know we won the League Cup. 
And I know it was interesting. We went to, a few of us went to a charity night at Farmer Town at the Greenbank Hotel a little while back. Uh, Rapper was there with us on our table and we sat there and uh, Andy Westgarth come over and said, because they were due to play the Senior Cup final. And he went round the table and on our table you had Phil Shapcott, George Torrance, Nigel Thwaites, myself, Paddy Scrace, Rappo, all on our table, uh, and Tommy. And he went round the table and said, how many times have you won the Senior Cup? And not one of us had won it. Well, I wasn't going to mention <laughs> Senior Cup to you. Well, I, I've played in seven Senior Cup finals and lost all seven. Seven? And I think George Torrance said on the night he's played in 11. Well, I can remember George when he was actually playing at Port Leven, and this was in the days when I was doing the Radio Cornwall stuff, and I remember him on the pitch afterwards, and he looked at his loser's plaque or trophy or whatever it was, and all but threw it away, because mm. he had so many of them. Yeah, yeah. Mine went straight in the bag. Yeah, it was, uh, it was strange of, that... There's a lot of good players, though, mm. like you, that have, have not ever won the, the no. Senior Cup. It's amazing. Mm. Yeah. Just not good enough, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't like to say that. But uh, so that, that time at Farm must have been your best playing time, mustn't it, surely? Um, yeah, on a, on a consistent basis, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, you left there, you, you went into management. Um, what managers would you have picked up? Any sort of tips, lessons, uh, I'd like to think I picked, I picked up, or tried to pick up the good points from a lot of them, but mainly from Dave Wad. Um, mm. I would never get people, and the lads would tell you this now, I would never get people to do things in training that I haven't done myself in the past. Uh, I would never ask them to do anything like that. But I think the problem, uh, there's too much money involved these days, which um, unless you've got a budget at a club, and most clubs struggle to put a budget together, to be fair, um, you're not going to be successful like that. Um, I had a, yeah, but went, people talk about money, though. But isn't that just the way it is? You look at the you know Premiership, the top six probably got the most money. So you look at the Peninsula League. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I, it certainly wasn't a criticism or a complaint. It's just the way of the world. And, yeah. uh, as you say, it's right through life. That yeah. it's, it's the same from the top to the bottom. But the other thing is, I mean, as a player, would you have? Picked up much money? You know, what was your sort of uh, game? I only had expenses. It could be the tax man listening. <laughs> um, no, we, I mean, I back then. Did you have I first a brown started, envelope? Yeah, to cover my, you've got to bear in mind that when I first started at Farmworth Town, I was still living in Plymouth. Uh, me and Jerry Collins used to travel down together. That was nothing strange. Most of the Falmouth players... No, we were the only two back then. Right. Yeah, there was all but fairly But before local. that, obviously... Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a lot. You know, the Richard Gray period, yeah. they all so, came from Plymouth, didn't yeah, they? Or, yeah. Almost. But I mean, basically, the, what we got in a brown envelope covered us uh, for travelling down on a Saturday to the matches and travelling down for training um, twice it's a week. Interesting, though. Did, did you think... I mean, back in those days, uh, it wasn't the... the yeah, horse and cart but the roads weren't quite so good as they are now I mean uh, yeah. it must have been a bit of a trek it was yeah what yeah. about training then, did you did you train yeah we used what? to come down for training yeah. but you never yeah. thought much about it no I mean we we had such a good team spirit that you enjoyed coming and seeing everybody for training as well as meeting up on the Saturday we used to I mean when I was at Farmworth we had um, I don't know how I ended up doing it all the time but I always ended up doing the fines and um, we'd have you'd have somebody like Neil the, the clubhouse would be packed after a game in Falmer and I could be at one end of the club and Neil Phillips for example could be the other end and he would be drinking with the wrong hand and I'd walk get over there eventually <laughs> and find him and he, he'd say oh, the hell you know I was doing that I don't know he said but you, you know the first year I'd done it they all complained about paying their fines but we got to the end of season and we went to Amsterdam and they all turned up. I organised the, the coach separately, the ferry crossing and the hotel. And they turned up at Falmouth Town and I think the coach was going to leave about 11, uh, 11 o'clock at night or something. It might have been early. I can't remember now. My memory's going. But uh, they all turned up there and they all were given, back then it's quite a bit of money. They were all given £35 each extra spending money in envelopes from right. the fines money. There was a um, beer on the coach all the way there. There was beer on the coach all the way back and it was £150 every night in a kitty for beer when we were over there. And second year, nobody moaned about paying fines. 
So it worked quite well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And and the Amsterdam trips, we won't go into them in detail, but they were as good as they sound? Very good. Yeah. Yeah. The the first one was an experience. And uh, the only only thing wrong with the first one was I booked a hotel, which was uh, the Ibis Hotel, which was uh, next to the um, Schiphol Airport. So we had, it was funny because the coach took us over there and Neil Phillips was on the coach and Neil Phillips was a lorry driver at the time. So he had the tackles and he knew the readings and he knew the times and that. So we got there. Um, the coach driver took us after we got to the hotel, took us into Amsterdam, dropped us off and I turned around and said, right, I said, I want you to be back here for two o'clock in the morning so we can all go back to the hotel. He said, no, he said, I can't do that. He said, my time's up for today. And uh, Neil Phillips had already primed me. So I turned around and I said, no, it's not. I said, you've done that, you've done that. You had a break then, you had a break there. You've had that hour, those hours breaks there. I said, you're allowed to be back here at two o'clock. And he looked at me and he went, okay, I'll see you at two (laughs) o'clock. So it was good having Neil there that first year. But the second year we stayed in Amsterdam, so it was a lot better anyway. You mentioned Neil Phillips. It was good having him in your team as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you could go through. We had a team back then. I mean, the two lads up front, Neil and Chappie, were probably the best two strikers I've played with. They, they, they could read each other. Phil had a lot of skill. And Neil Phillips, for, for a little lad, <coughs> was really good in the air as well. But uh, yeah, it, it worked as well because Falmouth Town back then were a team that played football on the ground. Um, we did, there was none of this aerial stuff. Um, I mentioned earlier about a lad who could have gone to Argonne. I mean, we played Plymouth in pre-season friendlies each year because we we'd give them a good game, and they'd send their whole first team down, and we never got beat by them. We drew mm-hmm. both years, one each, mm-hmm. um, and we had a lad, as I said, Steve Rogers playing right back, who moved down here from Goole, and he was working in for the newspaper in Truro, and Dave Ward found out about it, signed him, and he's probably the best right back I've played with, and. Uh, Plymouth wanted to sign him and uh, he didn't want to go. He was happy doing his job and playing on a Saturday. He didn't want to sign for Plymouth. He eventually moved back to Goul and played for Goul Town in the Vaz final at Wembley. So he eventually yeah, got right. there, right. which was nice to hear. And you mentioned about it in the clubhouse afterwards at, at um, Bickland. Were they good evenings? Oh, they Saturday? were great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even at the early stages when Jerry and I were travelling back to Plymouth, we, we wouldn't be leaving there until late nine o'clock at night. Um, I'm not going to say which one of us drove each time, but uh, <laughs> back then you didn't have the little blow into this, so yeah. it wasn't quite so bad. I'm not saying it's right, but yeah, um, but yeah the, there, was no, there was no clicks. You could One Saturday you could have a group of four or five players talking there and another group over there. The following week there would be different groups. It was just... Everybody got on, and they were all good friends. And even now, we have we have reunions fairly regular now. I meet up uh, with Shappy and uh, uh, Dodger when he's home from uh, from Dubai. Um, Tommy, George, mm. quite a lot of them. Good. Paddy, and um, and of course, probably quite appropriate. Uh, we've got pre-season friendlies coming up. We've got the Dave Gardner Trophy. Mm-hmm. You were playing with Spaz. Yeah, in fact, I was there the night he was given that nickname uh, at training. Um, I don't know if you've heard the story. <laughs> from, no. We were training one night and uh, we were running around Bickland Park and Phil Shapcock was behind Dave. And he turned around and just just off the cuff turned and said, Dave said, you run like a spaz. And that was it. It just stuck and spaz stuck for the rest yeah. of the time. And Sharon at that time didn't quite like it, but eventually it grew on her and... Uh, she accepted it. Great player, great character. Oh, fantastic player. Great. Uh, and great. I, I guess it shows because, you know, a lot of these trophies that are played for, um, they're in fashion one season, two seasons, mm-hmm. then they go away, don't they? But yeah. Dave Gardner Trophy's been going for so long now that it is part of yeah. the pre-season, isn't it? It is. And I always try to remind my players uh, wherever I was managing if I was involved in the Dave Gardner trophy of Dave and what he what he done and and who he was uh, because a lot of them are youngsters who don't won't, won't know of Dave but you know it's important I think that they they know and I think to be honest um 
I said about the Wembley final being emotional, but the one thing that was more emotional for me than that was when managing Penzance and we played in the Dave Gardner and we actually won the Dave Gardner trophy over at Helston when we beat Helston 3-1. And that day, Dave's mum and dad were actually over from Spain to present the trophies with his sister and with Sharon and George. And I don't mind admitting, I had tears in my eyes that mm. day when I went to go to trophy for mum because his mum actually turned around and said that she actually really wanted us to win it that, that day because I had played with Dave, which was nice. Yeah. Let's just quickly go back to the Argyle days and recall some of the players um, that I would know that you're talking about. Uh, and there's a bit of a Cornish link as well. Colin Sullivan, I think you're about to mention him. Yeah, well, Colin, Colin was a great lad. I mean, he moved from Plymouth and went on to play for Norwich City, but uh, his brother Keith was an apprentice with me at Argyle, and Keith played in the Wembley side with me as well. Um, and I reckon Keith is the best player that I personally, and obviously I've not played the, the standard you have, but Keith was the best player that I've played alongside. Yeah, he, unfortunately for Keith, he broke his leg twice, mm. um, and that curtailed his career, but... Um, uh, yeah, I, I managed to get in touch with him recently for the reunion and uh, it was great like that. It was, yeah, I'll be there. Um, he was struggling. He had bad, bad back problems at the time when I was talking to him and he said, there's nothing's going to stop me from coming. And <laughs> he turned up and he ain't changed at all. I mean, great sense of humour. Pookie's another one, uh, Dave Pook. Yeah. Um, you've got to be careful with him. You don't know how to take Dave. But of course, and... He went over to France to play for a while, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, um, again, we're talking a few years back now, but yeah, uh, yeah. I remember it was when we were at Truro and, and I think, we, well, we were playing Torquay when they had a side in the Southwestern League and uh, one of these young lads at Torquay was giving them a bit of stick and Pookie turned around and said, hey, don't you start doing that until you see your name up on the board in the club, yeah. you know, played for the first team sort of thing <laughs> so he always had an answer didn't he he did but he didn't have an answer for Danny Waterfield our manager at the dockyard side because when if you if you watch that um, uh, game at Wembley Dave during the second half does a bit of shill boating and ends up getting taken off <laughs> so I've never let him forget that but, uh, yeah uh, great Falmouth going back to the Falmouth and uh, emotion and, and, and regrets and, and good times and bad times you ended up back at Farmers as their manager, um, but didn't quite go as well as you would have hoped. No, I mean, Graham, uh, the chairman there, at the t uh, who's still there now, lovely chap, but, um, but he was trying to do so much himself and I was left to get on with things. And it was in a time when they were really down uh, on their luck and uh, it, you know, people say you should never go back, but um, I, I would have always wondered what would have happened if I had if I hadn't gone back. Can I and can I remind you of a quote that I saw the other day from a, a newspaper, and you said Farmer Town was my club, and I always wanted to go back, but since returning, I've fallen out of love with the place, which is the most disappointing thing of all. So yeah. what went wrong? I felt that there wasn't the people behind the scenes that wanted to help the club move forward. Um, I was at the time uh, when I went back as manager, um, there were some good players there who wanted to play for Farmworth Town, but there was also some that had big egos and, you know, I thought they were bigger than the club, which I didn't like. But behind the scenes, it was a case of I was having to turn up on a Saturday. If we were going away, I was having to turn up, go and get the kit from wherever it was, drive the minibus and then sort all the kit out afterwards, get all the dirty kit into the bag, drive the minibus back, drop all the players off, then take the minibus back, get my car, and eventually get home about, a, about an hour and a half after I've first driven past my house, you mm. know. Um, and it, that's not what I remember from Farmer Town and Glory Days down there, but it, it, I'm not saying, I, you know, I wanted the Glory Days, but I, the, a little bit more help would have, would, mm. would, wouldn't have gone amiss. And... Uh, the, I, I'm glad I went back and I was glad I was able to help keep them in the Premier League because, and, and Graham has uh, is, is often said that, you know, he'll always remember the fact that I did keep them in there. Um, so there was something good came out of it, but uh, I mean, now 
Wesley's doing a great job down there and I wish him all the best and it's nice to see F Troop back and it's starting to get back to what I remember, which is great. Mm. Yeah, and uh, <coughs> they've um, been working on the pitch this summer at Bitcoin. I mean, it's an iconic stadium, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I'm so pleased that they're going to stay there. I mean, I was asked when they were going to move ground what my thoughts were and I said that, you know, you can't pay for things with memories but you'll always have your memories and, and the club needed to move forward but um, now that they've managed to resolve their issues and that it's it's great news that they're going to stay at Bickland Park because it's a proper ground it's a bit like Penzance isn't it mm. you know it's a proper football ground what do you think about playing on 3G and 4G and all that sort of stuff well I've only ever trained on it. I've never had played a game on it and training on it's bad enough. But uh, It's not as bouncy as the QPR days though. No, no, that was quite funny. That one. It would bounce over the crossbar. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's come a long way, but uh, I don't know. It, it, it may suit modern football, mightn't it? Because these days you're not allowed to make a tackle anyway. So, you know, back then you you can make challenges. And I'm, I constantly see, you probably see it as well. I'll never forget the... Uh, match of the day thing for uh, the FA Cup where you got George Best going through and Chopper Harris mm. comes through and tries to side tackle him like from the waist down and he just rides the tackle and goes around it these days you wouldn't you know no. there'd be hell up for that sort of thing and you mentioned your dislike for Spurs I mean who, <laughs> who's your favourite side my favourite side's going through a bit of a oh, bad Man time United. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but as I said, I mean, I, I grew up with the area. The reason I supported Manchester United was not because they were winning things recently. It's because when I was a kid, I was fascinated with about the Munich air disaster and read all the stuff about it and followed them from then. Mm. Um, and uh, watched everything, uh, all the documentaries on it. All right, well, let's just uh, spring a few questions off the top of my head towards you. Uh, best central defending pair that you've played behind? Tommy Matthews and Graham Hurd. Now, Graham Hurd was an interesting one, wasn't it? Because he, he sort of was a, a real local sort of uh, player. No one had probably heard, heard pun mm. there, uh, too much of him. Um, but it, that partnership just seemed to click, didn't it? It did. And I mean, you've asked me for the best partnership. I mean, there were two, to be honest, that I find difficult to separate. There was Tommy and Graham, and there was Paul Horrocks and Andy Nose from the dockyard side. I mean, yeah. they were known as the wall. <laughs> and if they got past them, then they had to get past me, as what people said. But uh, they they didn't really get they really got past them, so it didn't you know didn't get as far as me. <laughs> but they were the best two partnerships I've I've ever been uh, had the privilege to play behind. Uh, um, yeah, they did click. I mean, and it clicked for me because Graham was so quiet that if if a goal went in, I could blame him, and he wouldn't say anything. <laughs> Pretty tall though. I wouldn't say too much to yeah. him. Oh yeah, but he was he was a gentle giant, Graham, yeah. and lovely chap. Yeah. Uh, Waddy, I assume, is the best manager you've you've played under. Yeah. Uh, any other sort of characters as managers that uh, you? Yeah, were... uh, uh, Dave Pierce uh, was oh, at yeah, St Blasey. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and because uh, how long were you at St Blasey? Uh, three seasons. I was there twice. I was there three seasons right. and two seasons. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And in those days, how were they faring? They were always up there challenging, yeah. I mean, I, I won the league with, with St. Blasey a couple of times oh, as well, yeah. Just so, throw that in. Yeah, yeah, sorry. You might not have won the you senior. You did ask. You might not have won the senior cup, but you've won the league no, a few times. Yeah, I've won, won the so, the so Western League, I think it was 11 times in total. What? Yeah. Right, so... Um, so St. Blasey obviously has a few memories, so... Going back to that clip about uh, the Wembley, <coughs> sorry, uh, the the filming of the Wembley game. Brian Moore was a commentator. That's right. Yeah, and he mentioned you were five foot eight. Is that right? Yeah, I think I've grown a little bit since then. No, I was, I, I'm, I'm not much taller than that, to be honest. Yeah. I think it's five eight five nine. Yeah, yeah. But you guys did say a few nice things about me. Yeah, well. Come on, Dave. <laughs> well, I didn't Why say... are you going to keep mentioning the bad things? I, I wouldn't <laughs> say being bad. It's not bad being five or eight. No. But, <laughs> but, yeah, but for the a goalkeeper... Day, yeah. um, my thing is with goalkeepers, so you might be five or eight, but that's how tall you are. Yeah. You know, you've got your hand in the air. And for those that can't see, you're yeah. putting your arm up in yeah, the air. Yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> I got a great face for radio, <laughs> it? but um, yeah, your, your arm in the air—that's your actual height, isn't it? Because yeah. you know, centre forwards can only jump with their head. You can jump with your hands. So, yeah. 
and he's you know he's interested in the, <coughs> the few of that the you know what I watched uh, from the the Wembley games. You ended up in the back of the net a couple of times there without the ball, but uh, <laughs> the ball wasn't there with me. No, no. but uh, you know that how the game has changed, isn't it? I mean, goalies don't get touched now, do they? No, no, they're overprotected now, definitely. Yeah, um, but then again. <laughs> You know there are fair challenges and there are not. I mean, but then keepers can protect them. Back then you could protect yourself. You you know you go up for the ball, you bring your knee up, you punch the ball, you bring your elbow round so you catch them. Uh, no, you can't do that now. <laughs> but you used to, you used to have to do it back then. I mean there was some there were some pretty nasty centre forwards I played against. Well, I was going to say who, who was the dirtiest centre forward you would have come up against? There were two. One was Peter Waterfield. Oh yeah, the scarred Congo as some of these call him, <laughs> and the other was a lad called Paul Perks. Yeah, yeah. Paul used to try, but and Paul used to drink with me, but he he kicked me if he could on a Saturday. I mean that, but that's what he was there to do. Um, but he, he he once said to me, he said, you know what? He said all the times I played against you, he said I've never been able to catch you. He said the keep the referee would always be there. I said always used to say to the referee before the game, watch this lad because he's going to do this, he's going to do that. He said and as soon as you've done anything, he was waiting for it. And that was it. <laughs> you got to look after yourself, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. And did you have a bit of a, a relationship with referees that you, back in those days, you could talk to them? There's a bit of a grin has come across your face. Yeah, there, there were a few referees that were, um, were, they were, they were peoples and men. You know, they, you could, there were one or two that I could scream at to start with, and they'd scream back something at me, and I'd just stand there and be gobsmacked. And you know, people would say, "No, I can't believe you had nothing to say," but. <laughs> Um, yeah, they um, people like Peter George, um, uh, and there were a few others that were proper referees, and not like they are now, where you're not allowed to speak to them at all. Mm. And it goes to show. I mean, I was, it, it, back then, there was when I was playing or when I was managing. If people went in the bar afterwards, they would see I would be talking to the referee because um, once you once the game's over, it's forgotten as far as I'm concerned, and you know you can go and have a chat with them and have a beer with them, and that's the way it should be. Mm. In fact, this is the stage where recently, as we we were saying on Facebook, I had quite a few happy birthdays from ex-referees. So I couldn't, you know, I couldn't have done that. <laughs> couldn't have been that. No, no, that's no. All right, and uh, and let's wrap it up. I mean, in the sense of best memories from disregarding the Wembley experience, because that's got to be your best memory ever, really. Best memories of of local football. What would you say they are? You... My time at Falmouth Town. But what, what, you know, any one particular sort of uh, time, memory or, or occasion or, or incident or... Um, oh, you've caught me on the hop a little bit there. I, th- I think the one incident then that sticks will be winning the Dave Gardner in front of his mum and dad. Yeah. Okay. And goalkeepers training, uh, Bickland has got obviously that steep bank. Um, did you ever have to run them down there or not? Yeah. We had to do that quite a bit, yeah. And... Would you recommend it for Westy to put his players through it at the moment? There's quite a few things I'd recommend to Westy for his players, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, you can criticise. I mean, they've had a great season and uh, hopefully long may it continue for them. And, you know, I always look for their results. Falmouth will always be my club. And I've got great memories, great friends down there. Um, the players, as I said to you, we keep in touch regular. We meet up regular. And I don't think there's many can say that about where they played. And final, final word, the F Troop are on the way back. Uh, they obviously came out in big numbers for the Senior Cup last uh, uh, last season and uh, and uh, they're gathering force. Uh, I mean, what can you remember about them? Oh, they were fantastic when we played away. I mean, they, sometimes they would go on our coach, sometimes they would have their own coach, depending on where we were going, but they followed us all around the country. I think one of my... Favourite memories, there used to be a chap, you've probably heard of him, Raffles bound to have mentioned him, a chap called Sabu, who used to, you know, all roads lead to Bickland Park was his famous saying. But (laughs) I remember we went to Wimborne to play in the FA Vaz and he'd been drinking all the way up and there was a bank over on the side and I looked over and Sabu had fallen asleep on the bank. He missed the whole game, (laughs) slept through the whole game. But what, what a character, but there's lots of those people. Uh, part of F Troop and in fact they've got their own Facebook group now and they, um, I, they, I had a request come through to join the group which I've done and you know I have said that I will go down to a couple of games this season and, and join them 
and be part of the F troop for a change instead of sitting there and watching them or having them behind. The, the thing was that with F troop was I used to kick up to them after games because they would always go behind the goal that we're attacking mm. and uh, there'd be nobody behind my goal. And then I think, oh, I'm going to have that lot next half, go out for the second half and they're all down the other end. So they used to leave me alone at that yeah. stage. Well, they wanted to see the forwards <laughs> scoring goals, not the goalkeeper saving Well, them. yeah, but I, I didn't get to save that many because the ball was always up the other end. <laughs> OK, well, look, John, it's been great talking to you and uh, hopefully it's brought back some, some good memories. Yeah. Uh, it has. There's one you. other memory that yeah. I forgot to mention was that I remember one of my... Big memories at Farmworth was that we, there was a bad winter and a lot of league games were getting cancelled and we were due to play Torquay United uh, who were in the Southwestern League back then. And Dave Smith, Dave Smith was manager, who used to be manager at yeah, Plymouth. Yeah. He brought down his full first team to play in the Southwestern League game because he needed them to get practice because games had been cancelled. <clears throat> and we beat them 4-2. It was an evening game. We beat them 4-2. And they had this lab playing and he scored both goals. And Tommy Matthews said to me afterwards, crikey, he was quick. Glad he didn't get the ball that much. And it wasn't until about three months later we found out it was Lee Sharp. Oh, he right. He went on to play for Man United. <laughs> yeah. And he was quick. Yeah. 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 So just an uh, anecdote to uh, some of the memories from Fulmer. Great. Great stuff. It's been great talking to you, John. Um, you can go to work now. Yeah, I'm better actually. <laughs> and that was the superb save by this Plymouth goalkeeper, John Dent. Your Cornish Soccer Podcast. <laughs>